like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Ah, g'day there and welcome back to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is a podcast that we've created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you might be tuning in from today, thank you. Thanks for being part of the storytelling, the exploration of life at school at Yarra Valley Grammar, as told by Yogs, Yarra Old Grammarians. My name's Paul Joy, and as the host, I get to sit down each episode with another Yog to explore not only their experience of school, but how that has laid a foundation to launch into the next chapter and chapters of their life. All the twists and the turns, the ups and the downs, we unpack, we explore, and we reflect upon. And today, I'm going to sit down with Andy Berkner from the class of 2004, a delightful young man measured, thoughtful, interesting perspective. I would say that this conversation takes a little while to warm up, but then it just got richer and deeper and more and more powerful. I encourage you to invest the time, whether you're out running, you're on the bus, you're walking the dog, maybe you're driving, tuning in to this conversation with Andy Berkner from the class of 2004. I'm going to begin by asking him, at what year level did he begin his Yarra journey? Enjoy this conversation with Andy Berkner. Thanks for having me, Paul. Uh, I joined Yarra in year seven. So uh, if memory serves me right, that's about 1998. And uh, do you recall the uniform back then did you was it shorts with a tie was it long socks do you remember did you get to wear your sneakers what was uniform um, regulations looking like back then uh despite it feeling like a long time ago uh being officially back in the 90s um no i I actually think it's, it's much the same as what it is now so i think it was technically long socks but not not officially not often pulled up not often pulled up, yes, correct. But we definitely had the school, you know, the good old, uh, you know, Clark Clark shoes, um, highly fashionable, and the and the blazers and all the rest. So yeah, pretty pretty strict. So now I'm just going to touch on shoes because as a parent, um, it matters to me. But do you remember in your day? Did you undo the laces or did you just whip them off and slide them back on? And then you you know you do damage to the back of the heel on your way in. Can you remember being lazy like that? <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know, to be honest. I think I think that I would have undone the laces and done them back up again, but I was definitely a uh, uh, pull the tie off, keep the knot done up, and, and, and pull it back on every day. So I'll, I'll meet you halfway there. Yeah, no, no. And I, I think that is very much still part of the practice nowadays is uh, t- tie your tie once and see how many years you can get out of it. Especially, look, especially as we go into the... Uh, well, whatever decade we're in now, yeah, the the, the prevalence of ties is yeah you know, few and far between. So I think yeah. that the the next generation, the future generations of kids being able to tie ties is it's going to be very different to what it was fifty years ago. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Do you recall a an excursion or a trip or a camp 
from those year seven days because it's kids coming from all over the place, all over um, the local area. They're bust in and, and, and lots of kids from different backgrounds and experiences are coming together. And schools tend to try and help develop connections and relationships and friendships. And do you remember a, a, an experience early on where you met some, some new friends? I don't remember a, a specific a specific excursion uh, per se, but but I do recall the the early ones in year seven and eight, uh, and and certainly feeling like you've got a really good group of people around you, and yeah, naturally as as part of any school you you form your key your key and your core friends, um, but I don't recall any one excursion. I feel like it was it was a pretty inclusive place, um, you know, right from the school grounds right through all the excursions. And where did you hang out? So you, you found a group when you felt like you belonged. Where where were you? Were you on the Oval? Were you behind the uh, such and such a building? Or where, where did your group sort of hang in those early days? I feel like we were, uh, I think it's, I mean, I think it's still where the current cafe or, or tuck shop or canteen, whatever we call it, uh, is so next to the the outdoor pool, um, if that's still there, <laughs> I'm not even sure. The outdoor pool. So, so that was that was sort of near the Year Seven area in the early days. Uh, that was a pretty popular place for a bit of bit of downball and uh, a bit of footy and constantly fetching footballs in the pool and whatnot. But that was that was probably the place. And, and of course, the oval that that attracted most kids, yes. especially especially the boys. So for your benefit and also other yogs who might be tuning in, um, the down ball is still going well is and it? the calf is still there. The calf. The it. outdoor pool, the, the outdoor pool has moved. So no longer will you lose your ball in the pool. The pool uh, has gone. It's been um, dug out and built over and there's now buildings on top of it and there is now an indoor pool on the other side of the oval over near the, uh, the sports complex. I did. I did see the construction. I, I saw. I knew the pool was there. I just wasn't sure if there was still an existing outdoor pool uh, as well. But makes yes, makes yes. sense to get rid of it. So we have the opportunity to sit down with Andy Berkner from the class of two thousand and four. And Andy, you've told us a little bit about Year Seven and and the the students coming from all over the place and gathering together. Was there, as you continued your way through school, was there a particular part of the school in terms of uh, curriculum? where you tended to um, enjoy spending more time? Was it math, science? Was it humanities? Was it English? Or were you just hanging out on the Oval all the time if you could? Where, where would you go as far as confidence in the classroom? Uh, confidence in classroom, I think almost, I, I, I always lean towards English. That was definitely one of my, my preferable subjects. Uh, maths to an extent, I always enjoyed. And I feel like that's that's carried into business really well. Um, and then in terms of what I enjoyed the most, it would have been the, the creative subjects. So graphics, woodwork, um, always had a always had a great time there. And yeah. Yeah, interestingly enough, that that has carried uh, through into business as well, uh, especially the the creative marketing. Right. Yes. 
So would you would you be prepared to tell us a little bit about business then? Because I'm I'm particularly interested because lots of students ask about yeah, but will I ever need this? How is this going to apply to life after this? Whether it's maths or English or or the creative arts or whatever, you're in business now. I want to particularly think about the creativity within you. How does that apply to business in 2020, 2021? I think creativity is is critical. Um, obviously, you can have a business with other creative people that you hire. So, it's not essential by any means. But uh, I think to, to own a business and have a bit of a marketing head or to have some creativity flow through you is, is really important. And it's something that I'm very, very grateful for. And I know the rest of uh, my team who many who really don't like the, uh, the creative side um, are very grateful to have it too. So, I think it's about finding that balance for me. Um, I'm, I'm really, really grateful to have a good foundation in maths. That is critical to understand numbers uh, in business. Yeah, we all know that. And English, I can't, I can't play that one down enough either. So having a solid foundation of spelling, grammar, knowing how to structure sentences, um, having the confidence to speak to uh, anyone regardless of whether they're a CEO of a, of a large, you know, ASX listed company, but being able to coerce with them in email format or phone or in person. Uh, it's all, yeah, all really, really important. I love what you've just done there. You've just made this relevant for all of our English teachers, all of our maths teachers and our creative arts department. And because from time to time, we do have our teachers recommending different episodes to their students. So by the end of our conversation today, we might uh, seek your advice or, or your best bit of advice for a student uh, who's embarking on maybe the, the, the secondary school uh, part of their journey, um, you know, from what you've learned of life and, and exploration and, and the realities of, uh, of business and so forth. But I, I wonder if you can um, tell us a little bit about creativity. You've talked about creativity and I'm assuming you meaning visual creativity in terms of how things look. I wonder whether you think also the creative arts helps you in terms of thinking creatively and then perhaps your English comes into being able to communicate in a creative way. And, and I mean, I dare say there's plenty of accountants who need some creativity from time to time too, aren't there? Well, the, the saying of creative accounting came from, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um no, it's a, it's a it's a good question. I think it is it is really important um, just to think. It's like the, you know the other the, the other old saying of think outside the box. That's that's creativity. Uh, so to think of every situation to have uh, a multitude of outcomes is one. Um, to think about what or how di- how different people would would see um, different advertising or different marketing. So. I think we're all guilty of, of when we think about marketing, we think about what we would like, but you need to think about what different age groups, different demographics. Um, there's there's so much to think about. So it's 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 challenging being creative because your mind is always ticking mm-hmm. over, and you're never particularly happy. Even when you finish a certain project, you, you you're never happy with it. Um, and I, I would say I'm I'm fifty percent creative, so I really. Um, don't envy the, the you know the hundred percent creatives who <laughs> devote their life to it. Um, I think it'd be it'd be a, um, a a really challenging thing to live with day to day. Yeah, for, for sure, for sure. I, I think 
we've appeased and helped and supported a number of different departments in our uh, school and a classic education. Tell me a little bit about Saturday mornings and whether you embraced the Saturday morning sport or whether that was something that uh, you tried to repel from. <laughs> uh, it depends on the season, I think. So I was a I was a footy player. Uh, you can't see my, or you can see my fingers doing inverted footy player. Um, I was on the football team. Um, the the I guess the fond memory of that is you know picking up a few mates in the morning. Um, you know, dad dad taking me up to Kilmore or down the peninsula or even just to to Yarra itself at oh, very early hours of the morning. Uh, the not so good memories are standing in the forward line or the back line. <laughs> And just, just fearing the football coming anywhere near me, um, just wondering how how much it's going to hurt as soon as it hits my fingers, which I can't feel. So those, especially up at Assumption at Kilmore, yeah. um, some of those mornings up there were just oh, bone shuddering cold. Um, on the opposite end of the scale, I played tennis in summer, um, t- table tennis in the early years, but tennis um, in summer, and I loved it. It was it was great. I, I wish I played more tennis now, but unfortunately, uh, injury got in the way uh, for both really. So by about year nine or ten, I think I was sort of on the sidelines for most of the sports, and I was the token runner for the the footy team in in year eleven and twelve. I think that was my way of still being involved. Do you have an observation, a perspective on the value or otherwise of? health and fitness today it, it seems like you you went through the motions because you kind of had to but would you say that health and fitness I mean I, I've got the 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 benefit of actually being able to see you but you look like a broad-shouldered fine upstanding young man fit and healthy is that because you've worked on that or is that because there's a, a natural ability there or are you just fortunate I think there's a bit of both so i I I look after myself to an extent, but I'm no, you know, trained elite athlete by any means. Um, so I do have a I do have a focus on health and and fitness, um, but at the same time I'm, I'm naturally thin and you know, tall and lean. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right. I think yeah, setting those foundations for health and exercise at an early age is is really important, and that's only going to become more important uh, as technology plays a huge part in everyone's lives. So having that structure of some form of exercise every weekend, along with all the training sessions throughout the week. Uh, I think it's I think it's really important. Mm. So let's go there down the track of technology, and and I imagine that that is part of your business. It it seems to be part of lots of business, and and that for good reason that makes sense. Um, where do you see it being in terms of the future? Um, is it about communication? Is it about um, revenue raising is it about marketing or is it is it more than that and why is fitness so important when you you mentioned fitness is going to be more important because of technology how so uh that's an interesting question um i think if we talk about the crossover of technology and and fitness um the 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 possible negative of course is that technology plays a massive part in our lives and, and we naturally spend so much time on our phones um, I'm very guilty of that. You know, I'll, I'll get off the computer and pick up my phone straight away and, and start scrolling there or texting or calling someone. So that's that's a massive problem. 
Um, even to the point where I've identified I actually have a dent in my pinky finger from the bottom of my phone. Um, I've just realised that lately. Um, that's that's a, that's a, that's a real that's a real issue. Um, you know, people are starting to wear different glasses now. You know, blue screen glasses. Um, all those things are a big problem. At the same time, things like um, exercise programs have never been so available. So, you know, there's there's um, there's a good a good Australian couple who have made literally billions off health and fitness by creating a, a really accessible uh, online program. So there is a crossover there, but I think particularly when we think of young young kids um, coming through school, having so much technology available to them, obviously from gaming through to phones and everything else they spend um, day and night on, the importance of still staying active is, is more important than ever. So I, I guess you're saying that the technology is part of our life. It's part of our journey. It's how we choose and, and whether we choose to be in control or whether we allow it to control us. And I'm fascinated by the dent in your little pinky. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a fascinating um, admission, but it also is probably a sign that, that maybe there is a lot um surprisingly amount that you're holding your phone in that particular way and that's quite remarkable tell me then we've kind of danced around a few different subject areas tell me about the performing arts is there a a musical a um, a performance that you were either part of or in the audience for that you remember very fondly even if you were just a tree <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say I, I, I played so little parts that I, I can't comment much uh, I I really didn't go down that path. I'm not a, a theatrical person um, by any stretch, so I I really had very little involvement. In fact, I don't think I was part of any play. Um, I really I did very little music at school as well. Um, obviously, being a mandatory subject in the early years, uh, I was part of it. But I do remember it at a very young age, prior to Yarra, my I had a, I had a standout role in The Wizard of Oz, I think, where I played a a, a brick of the yellow brick road, uh, <laughs> and and also a crow. Um, so yeah, my, my 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 outfit consisted of a yellow swimming cap and a yellow <laughs> t shirt, and I walked with twenty other kids across the stage as as a brick. So that's that's about the extent of my acting career, Paul. It uh, it. <laughs> It brings whole new meaning to, to, you know, I mean, I remember back in the day I, you'd get called a brickhead and uh, and you were it. But I'm sure you were you were a very good one. Yeah, good brick, yes. Yes, um, showed promise. Yes, part of, the, uh, part of the group walking across the stage, but that was about it for me. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, tell me about this notion that we hear about from time to time these days at least, and I don't know whether you might have been aware of it too, but the idea of the Yarra spirit. Um, people come from outside of the school and they come and join the school, whether it be year seven or earlier into our junior school or, or later in their middle schooling, and and they they acknowledge they 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 feel like something's special. There's something, um, and nowadays we tend to call it the Yaris spirit. What does that idea mean to you? Is that something that you're aware of? Can you describe it? Explore it for me. I think it's something that I've recognised more as I've gotten older, to be honest. And and the fact that I'm back involved with the school now by 
the Yarra Olgramarians, you do recognise it and you, you almost do feel it when you're in the grounds. So I don't have the the background, or I don't want to use the word privilege, but I didn't go to any other high school. Um, so it's not as though I, I was at you know Xavier or Luther or anything else. I, I was just at Yarra. Um, but what I do remember is that, that the level of inclusiveness was really good. I always enjoyed that. Um, I never felt it to be clicky. Um, had a really good relationship with all the teachers, and that and that was recognised along uh, across a lot of the different students. Um, it just it just always has has had a great spirit. I, I I don't know I don't know of any way to describe it, Paul. I'm sorry, but it's I think in many ways it's it's part of the location of Yarra as well. I think being in the I don't know. Do we call it the outer, the outer east or just the east? I'm not sure, but I think we're still still the outer east. Um, but there's there's bush and tree and and there's a greenery around the place that has an earthiness to it that I think does change the feel compared to perhaps those inner city schools. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 naturally being being in the outer east, there's more families who say live on property, and you know, some might have. Acreage in Wonga Park and and those areas. So I think yeah, earthiness is is, is a good word. Um, it seems to be a lot of a lot of very grounded people. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm. yeah, I, I would tend to agree. And and certainly for me, you know, more than ten years ago, that was part of the attraction for me to come and and work here and and now have my own children privileged enough to be part of the school community here as well. It's uh, it's 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 tremendous and and creates a real foundation for them to launch into what's next tell me a little bit about your what's next in terms of you've done okay at school did you and where did you go when you left school there's a real mixed bag to be honest so i did okay um at school um i think i i, I finished i think i had a you know a, a vc or enter score of around 80 so i'd say that's okay i've never been um, a particularly book smart person and, and those creative subjects naturally did pull my score down a little bit uh, when it came to VCE. But for me, I, I left school and I wanted to try everything. I had no career path set out. Um, I did a few trades part-time. Uh, I did a bit of bar work. I did a bit of traveling. Uh, and then I did some sales as well, but I, I I usually, and this is something I want to touch on more about about Yarra as well, is I seem to use networks a lot in those first three to four years um, post leaving school, so right into my early twenties, and just found work that way through mm-hmm. um, through working with you know, family and friends. So uh, yeah, I did. I did. I sold water skis and snowboards and worked in bars and uh, and eventually that that landed me in event management. After, after quite a while. Um, I did go and study for a little while afterwards as well. But to be honest, yeah, studying, just, it's never been for me. I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm a right brain oriented person. So detail has never been my strong point. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm very happy in business now where I've got more left brain people around me who can focus on the detail and I can focus more on big picture and vision and ideas and, and general leadership. Mm. So there'll be some who will listen to that who who would say, 
I, I couldn't do that or I, I wouldn't want my son or daughter to have that approach because they are much more comfortable with the idea that I, I'm, I, I know my path, I'm going to get into a course, at the end of that course I'm gonna, that's going to lead to a job, but it seems like you were much more of a, an explorer and happy to see what this feels like, see what that becomes, see what this might turn into. And, and that's, I mean, I would say that's a strength in, in it of itself. What did your family think about that approach in terms of um, there's some dedication and commitment from the family for you to come to Yarra and then you've got to the end of your high schooling and you, you don't really have a clear focus. How did that sit at home? Yeah, I think it's something that I don't acknowledge enough when I, when I do think back to it now. Um, they clearly allowed me a lot of flexibility and, and I'm sure to an extent I understand what you're saying when you, when you, you, know, you spend a lot of good money to, to send your kid or your kids to, to a private school. And me leaving school, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. But I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I don't, I, I've, I've, never, I've never been uh, a supporter of, of almost coaching kids and telling them or, or trying to make them decide by the very young age of 17 or 18 what it is that you're going to go and study and, and try and do for the rest of your life. So um, my parents are very, yeah, very supportive, very supportive all the way through school. Um, still very supportive to date. And I think that they just obviously trusted me enough to leave school, have a few years. Um, it's not as though I ever didn't work. I worked all the way through, but I think they were confident enough in that I'd find my feet, um, land in the job or, or the career that best suited me at some mm -hmm. point. And um, those few years of maturity are, are pretty important as well. I, I totally agree with you. I think there's something wrong with the system that's almost set up for people, young people, to make big choices at the age of 16, 17, 18 as to where and what direction they're going to head in the rest for the rest of their life. Now, of course, increasingly, it's not a commitment for the rest of your life because now there's so much flexibility and, and the, the pathway for many young people is to have not just three or four different jobs, but three or four different careers or, or more than that, uh, and such is the way. And and maybe that's okay too, but but it seems to me that at that, as you say, very young age to make be making big decisions and some, in a sense, um, forced into making those decisions just seems a little bit back to front to me. Um, but I, I love that your parents have backed you um, in, in their confidence in you to work it out and, and I'm assuming that there's probably some some level of, well, as long as you're not sitting at home on your bum doing nothing, then we'll back you, we'll support you. If you're out there exploring, having a go and, and being proactive, then then that's good enough. And, and I, I love that approach. I think that's really powerful. In the midst of that, were there any times where you, like, you know, there's a show called, I don't know, The World's Worst Jobs. Is there a role that you had and you you looking around sh over your shoulder going, I can't believe I've ended up here? I mean, I've got some of those jobs, but I wonder if you have done anything like that. Yeah, th there is there is one standout one, and I was helping a uh, a friend. His his dad had a uh, insulation company, so installing pink bats in in walls and ceilings, 
And I thought, hey, you know, I'll, I'll give that I'll give that a go as well. I never saw it as a career by any means, but you know, it's probably cash at the time. So I thought I'll, I'll give that a crack as well, and and did that. And I I just remember being so horrifically unprepared for what that job is, and. I have a feeling that my friend might have stitched me up as well and said, oh. just so you know, it's really hot in the roof. Um, you know, you don't want to wear a whole lot. So, I turned up in a singlet, shorts, and I'm not sure if you've been unfortunate enough to deal with insulation, but it's it's pretty much like fiberglass needles. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're made up of, but very similar to um, hay baling, for example. I've also done that for some friends before and, and you just you just end up with all this fiberglass in your in your arms and your legs and you you can't see it so you can't pick it out uh just naturally <laughs> naturally after a while it, it disappears but it's horrible add, add to that a whole lot of sweat in a roof and um yeah that's that's one that stands out as a as a pretty average job yes it is that friend he hasn't necessarily steered you in the wrong path because it is really hot up in those roofs laying that 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 insulation and i have done that and you're right it's you, you know about that for quite some time after the fact. For sure. For sure. Classic, um, classic Luther, Luther friend stitched me up. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us then, with all of the twists and the turns and, you know, you've tried a bit of sales, you've worked behind the bar, you, you've, you, you know, you've sold snowboards and skis and you've done some labouring work and you, you've all of that is an exploration of life and that all adds to the fabric of, of who you are. In the midst of it all, it appears to me that there is still a confidence, at least in yourself, to, to have a go and I'll find a way through this. At what point did you start kind of narrowing it down to maybe even is it to where you are now and what you're doing now? But as far as business goes, was there lots of ideas and you just picked one or was it a matter of stopping and starting and trying different things? Did you start your own business? Tell me a little bit about what life looks like to get from <laughs> crawling around on your belly in a roof to um, perhaps being more involved in business today. Sure. It's definitely a journey. It's definitely a journey. And funnily enough, it feels like yesterday I was in the year 12 building graduating because uh, it is you know, it is near in 20 years. But at the same time, it feels like an eternity in business. So you do so much maturing uh, over you know, 5, 10, 15 years in business. So it has been quite a journey. But I think to your, to your question, uh, you know, I, I, did, I did these sales, I did the bar work, uh, I jumped around everywhere and then I worked in event management and it was in 2006 I did the, the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne and that was a really fantastic program and we worked with the uh, National Australia Bank who had the, the largest hospitality program of, of the Games. And that was really great. And um, and my dad has worked in travel for oh, a long time, 40-odd years. Uh, interestingly enough, I I made it quite clear to both my parents that I didn't want to work in travel. Um, so it's it, it's funny that I've ended up here. But it wasn't it wasn't about the travel industry. It was, it was about recognising that dad was very rarely home growing up. Mm. Um and that's not being critical of him by any means. He was providing for the family, but um, it's a bit of a circle back to technology here. But you know, in the in the nineties and late eighties, it was just a phone call when you know when you could have a phone call. Um, that was it. Otherwise, there were no emails. There was no Facebook. You know, none of that. 
So growing up and, and not having him around a whole lot turned me off the idea of being in that big business or corporate environment. Um, so I always said that I wouldn't want to do it and being very young and immature, I, I thought that I would spend my life doing something fun like running a uh, bungee jump you know, experience or, or something ridiculous like that. Um, so, yeah, 2006 Commonwealth Games. Uh, around the same time, Dad was uh, responsible for about 600 people here in Australia in a travel business. It was very large and it became part of a 20,000-person organisation globally and uh, that went enlisted in the UK and he said, once that's done, I'm going to resign, I'm going to retire. And that was around 2008. So we, we came up with a bit of a plot around then and said, well, I think we can we can start again here. Uh, I'll work in the event side of the business. He can manage the, the corporate travel piece uh, and, we'll, and we'll see where it leads us. And, and that's essentially what we set out to achieve. So it wasn't until 2009 that we that we did that, but it's uh, what are we? Yeah, twelve years in now, and and uh, my sister also came into the business about six or twelve months after we'd started, and we're a very uh, we're a very dynamic duo, the three of us now. Uh, even though Dad is much more leaning towards retirement now, he's, he's not too heavily involved. It's very much my sister and I, but uh, we're very lucky to all have similar traits and, and strengths and challenges. So. Yeah, a long, a long but very good and rewarding journey. No doubt uh, there are challenges along the way, for sure. Um, and currently travel is difficult or, or even impossible uh, on a global scale. But I wonder whether you yourself have done some travel. Have you had that opportunity? And if you were to offer a recommendation once we can, when we're allowed to, where would be one place and why that you would say you must see whatever it is? Whether you've been there or not, you've heard about it, researched it. Where's either a place you really want to go or a place you've been and you would say, Paul, you've got to get you and your family there? Oh, it's a tough question. Um, I have, I've done a lot of travel, yes. So I'm, I'm very fortunate at my age to, to have that and that is a huge perk of of the industry, being able to see a lot of the world. Uh, I know you asked for one. I'm going to give you two. So um, at an early age, I did about a month of, I'm going to say backpacking, but it, was, it wasn't it was really backpacking. Uh, but I went to Vietnam with a, with a good friend and we did about two or three weeks traveling right from Hanoi up the north right down to um, right down to the south. And it was a, a good two or three week trip and we – we even jumped on motorbikes and went through the, the sort of uh, central highlands there and saw the war-torn Vietnam and saw the touristy areas, but also saw the, the very non-touristy areas, even to the point where we went through a village and an old war veteran actually came out with his shotgun and, and saw us as, you know, non-Vietnamese um, and he had his, his, you know, his army hat on and just warned us that we shouldn't be here and we jumped on our motorbikes and kept going, but... That was a that was a really really great trip. I think it was a, a real sign of independence at a pretty young age, and and having that that full freedom to travel independently, and then into Cambodia, that was uh, incredible. The the raw history that they have, um, the, the pretty recent history, 
was really, really eye-opening. So to get perspectives on, on say, those third-world countries uh, and to understand how other people live and not just mm-hmm. travelling to LA and London and these uh, enormous cities, I think was really important. Mm-hmm. And then the other one uh, would be Norway. So, so Norway was was really special, and I think I'm I'm as I've gotten older, I'm far more geared towards uh, natural landscapes. So Norway, Switzerland, New Zealand, um, they're all the standout locations for me, just from the awe, uh, the sheer beauty of these locations is just incredible. So um, Norway was a, a few years ago now and, and, and went up there and sailed through the fjords and it was a, a very beautiful experience. So for, for anyone listening wanting to to do that, maybe speak to me at some point and we can get you on the right track. So, that, I mean, both of those, for very different reasons, are well worth mentioning um, and and not necessarily the automatic response or the, the popular answers, but for good reason, I really appreciate the, the explanation and the description. Um, if you don't mind, would you, would you be prepared to leave or even tell me now a website, a contact, an email, a Facebook page, if we did want to book some travel, where would you recommend we go in terms of somebody who can help us get all of our travel plans in place? Do you know anybody who could help? And what are their contact details? Funnily enough, I do know someone, Paul. Yeah, shameless plug opportunity. Um, I would I would love to help more, more of the community with Yarra. So uh, as a business, our, our focus is actually more towards corporate travel. So we do a lot of business travel for uh, for SME clients right through to very large ASX listed clients with thousands and thousands of staff. Uh, so if anybody listening has a family where, where anyone is in charge of travel or in senior management, then I'd, I'd really welcome the opportunity to talk to someone. But otherwise, you know, we also do a lot of holidays and, and amazing experiences. So really, if anyone has any any questions around uh, either domestic or international travel, I actually welcome welcome you to reach out to me directly and just explain that you're part of the the Yarra community. And tell I'm not us sure if we can if we can list my email or phone number, but either way, if you can come through Platinum Travel Corporation and speak to to Andy, you'll get me. Beautiful, that's great. Thank you. And you're right. We will we'll put some details there in the uh, in the show notes that uh, that people can go back and and tune in for. Um, we're going to move now, Andy, to a, a section of our conversation that I, I I call nobody else calls it this but I call it the lightning round and effectively a whole bunch of short and sharp little questions that uh, might bring us back to school and, and a little bit about your experience here and, and they might be um, one or two word answers short and sharp um, put your, your, your seatbelt on because we're going for a bit of a bit of a roller coaster ride here tell me if we can begin with what house were you in Andy Berkner from the class of 2004 when you're at Yarra what house were you in uh, I was in, in green, which is plumber. Plumber, yes. Okay, I'm going to say tick for that. Now, this is perhaps more controversial. Were plumber any good back in your day? Yeah, we were the best. We were <laughs> standout performers. Of course you were. Of course you were. I wonder what your contribution was or what your preference was for, and you can't say neither, house swimming or house athletics? Athletics, all day. And did you have a particular area, an arena in there? Was it the field events? Was it track? Was it uh, high jump? What did you love to do? 
High jump. You nailed it. Yeah, that okay. was okay. that was uh, that was my game. So I actually did okay in high jump. Excellent work. Tell me a little bit about your trip to school. How did you get here? Was it the bus? Did you ride your bike? Did you jump on the back of a, a pony? How did you get to school? Nah, privileged private school boy. Had mum drop me off. So um, uh, for a good for a good amount of years, and then uh, mum went back to work, and I got the bus for a little while, and then I was uh, I turned eighteen in March of year twelve, so I had my license pretty early. So I definitely enjoyed that full year in year twelve of. Of driving to school and picking up a few friends on the way, and yes. uh, that was a really good experience. Excellent, excellent. And so, just on that, what was your first car? Uh, it was a VT Bellina Commodore. Yeah, Commodore. Nice one. And what color? I had a VL Calais, actually, uh, a good '86. Took me years to find. Uh, if you're if you're a car guy, you'll appreciate this. But took me years to find good old trading post before car sales existed. And uh, it turns out it was literally one street away from us in Donvale, a one-owner car. Uh, it had only done 68,000 kilometers, I think, for a 1986 VL Calais. Blue, blue over silver, sunroof. Oh, it was, it was a beauty. I wanted it yeah, for years. Yeah. And it got stolen a day before I turned 18. So I never actually, I never, I never even got to put my P plates on it. I had about six weeks of L plates and, and driving around and loving it. Uh, and then I was due to go and get my license and my sister actually borrowed it and, and took it to uh, Latrobe out in Bandura and, and came out in the afternoon and gone. No way. That, uh, devastating, devastating. The, the VL Commodore, I, I did appreciate that model and that shape and, uh, and all of those things. So that's, uh, that's beautiful. Good memories there for me. Skyrocketed in value, Paul. That would be yeah. worth, I paid 6500 for it in... 2004, and that would be worth 35 or 40,000 now. Yeah, yeah. Boy, oh boy. And, and somebody else is maybe reaping the benefit of it. Um, however, however, tell me a little bit about what we might find in your lunchbox. Were you a regular make your own lunch? Did you tell me about your lunch at school? Uh, one word is terrible. Really, <laughs> really bad. Um, my my mum didn't, didn't do a lot. She'll kill me if she listens to this. Didn't do a lot in terms of lunches for me. She she went with the independent route, uh, and um, I followed in my dad's footsteps and, and usually grabbed a box of pizza shapes and um, quite a few cream biscuits. So uh, for any parents or kids listening, do not follow that path. But for what it's worth now, incredibly healthy. My my partner Caitlin uh, looks after me for lunch, and and I've gone the other way. I'm, I'm now very very healthy. <laughs> If uh, you invited me over to for dinner at your place and you were in charge of the meal, what would you serve? What's a go-to that you're pretty good at? I think I'd go with a very basic steak and, and salad or veggies. Um, something very simple, but good quality food, cook simple. You can't go wrong. I, I appreciate that. Um, take me out of the picture, but you get to invite three people from any time, any era, any nation Three people who you'd like to have over to your place for dinner? Oh, it's a really tough question. Uh, Tiger Woods. Aha, uh-huh. yes. Is up there. So I'm, I'm, I'm a massive uh, golf lover. Um, I've said it before that if, if there's anyone that would make me a little bit nervous, it would be, be being in the company of Tiger Woods. Um, it's very cliche, but Richard Branson, 
Um, I think I, I'd love to have his energy around a, a dinner table. Um, and I think I'd really love to meet Phil Knight, who's a, the creator of um, Nike. Hmm. It would be. And, and the, the combination of their perspectives and backgrounds and interests would be, it would be quite the conversation that that would be well worth uh, being a fly on the wall at. But you get to sit at the table with them and, and maybe host it. I wonder if there is a, um, a book that you would recommend, maybe a book that was influential or a movie-documentary. Well, that was a, uh, a perfect segue, but it's actually um, it's called Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. So it's about, I don't know if you've read it yourself, but it is a, it is a fantastic book. It's probably the only book that I've ever read that I literally haven't been able to put down. So I, I think I read that in, in a day or, or two max. Um, absolutely loved it. So it's it's a really fantastic fantastic story about how Nike was created um, and teaches you a lot about resilience and perseverance, which, of course, being someone in business, especially going through what we're going through now in the travel industry uh, off the back of their pandemic, was um, very, very influential for me. We're chatting with Andy Berkner from the class of 2004. And Andy, you've just touched on resilience and here at school we're part of the resilience project and it's certainly part of our language now that that i don't recall back in my day and and maybe in your day whether we use that word resilience but it is it is commonplace now and and we explore three pillars really around uh, gratitude empathy and mindfulness so if we were to ask you what resilience looks like and, and it might be that you've experienced it firsthand or at least you've recognised the need to have resilience in, I would imagine, both in your personal life but also in your business and, and from as you say, from a travel perspective. What does resilience look like day to day for you and how do you keep showing up? Yeah, it, it, it's a really relevant question uh, in the last 12 months for me. So I've had a very, I'm, I'm first to admit, I've had a very privileged life. There's not been any major setbacks for me in my, my 35 odd years on, on the planet. Uh, but this year in business, I mean, to give you some perspective, we, we had our best month ever in February 2020, our highest month of sales ever. Uh, we'd won Agency of the Year Award in 2018, Corporate Agency of the Year Award in 2019, and then from April 2020 right through until the end of the year, uh, we did 1% of our normal revenue. So in terms of getting up every day and trying to sort of wade your way through, you know, a lot of very emotional people, you've got clients who are upset, wanting refunds, uh, you've got corporate clients who are very demanding, you've got staff and, and your team who are worried about their job security, um, you've got bills to pay, you've got no income, um, living off JobKeeper, all these things are, are very difficult. So for me, I'm, I'm very lucky, I would say, to be naturally a very positive and optimistic person. Um, I've definitely had my, my days and I'm very open in, in telling people about those days. So I, I have days where I, I really crash um, and I struggle to get out of bed and all I want to do is watch TV and just zone out from the world for a little while and probably um, indulge in, in a few too many whiskeys on those days. But um, 
ultimately for me, resilience is the thing that I keep coming back to is, is as you mentioned with the resilient project and, and Hugh, um, it's gratitude or gratefulness. So maybe waking up or, or maybe receiving a, a bad email from a client or, or someone speaking to you badly, you know, that can really set the course for a bad day for a lot of people. But resilience for me is, is recognizing that email and recognizing that moment as something that can set the course for a bad day. Or you can say, that email has impacted 30 seconds of my day. How much more do I have to be grateful for? And you always come back to family, your friends. You've only got to look at you know, the house you're living in or, or the chair you're sitting on and, and you, can, you can narrow it down to something absolutely tiny, like how lucky am I to be wearing these boots? It could be, it could be anything. So that's, that's what I really always come back to is just practicing gratitude. That's one of the best descriptions that I've heard because I know it's authentic. I know it's, it's real and it's raw and it's what you've actually had to lean on through some really challenging experiences, um, both personally and for your business and the whole industry. Um, do you, and I don't know if this is a, a real question or not, but what do you think travel is going to look like? Is it, is it like, is it going to happen again? And is there any idea from it as an insider perspective? Like, I mean, it's not going to help your business, I guess, but if I hook up my caravan or my tent and go for a trip down to the Mornington Peninsula, is that helping anyone or anything? I mean, it's good for me and my family, but what about interstate? What about internationally? Like, what, what do you see happening next? Oh, look, I could talk about that for hours, Paul. Um, I think your good example of hooking up your caravan is what a lot of Australians have done in the last 12 months when you're allowed to leave your house. Um, the great thing about that is it does support tourism, which is great, but there are very different segments in tourism and travel. So travel agents don't really think about tourism too much and tourism doesn't think about travel agents too much. Um, so, you know, tourism has, has relied on international tourism a lot, so people coming into Australia um, and, you know, propping up the, the economy in that respect, whereas by you and your family hooking the caravan up, getting down to the peninsula, eating at local restaurants, you know, doing beach horseback rides, whatever it could be, that's all helping the tourism uh, economy, which is great. Um, in terms of what travel will look like in the future, I think it's, it's much closer than what we think it is. Um, it's easy to think that it may never happen again because it's been you know 12 plus months now where very few of us have even been near an airport. Um, for perspective, you know our, our corporate clients are back to doing you know 40 to 50 percent of their normal domestic travel. So movement across the country is actually you know it's happening now. Yeah. Um, you know we have personal holidays booked. Um, up to Port Douglas in a few weeks, and um, I think for the for the remainder of the year, we'll see a lot of domestic travel happen, providing we can stay or steer clear of these knee jerk reactions or these snap lockdowns. Um, we'll be okay. And the problem with those those lockdowns, and I'm not saying that I disagree with them because they they do seem to work, but the problem that we have with them is uh, a five day lockdown actually has a really negative impact on consumer confidence. So five days for a travel agency like ours 
actually turns into more like two months. Mm. So nobody wants to be stuck somewhere that they don't want to be. Um, so they hold back on travel. But we've noticed that after six to eight weeks of no restrictions, people are back on planes, back moving, um, back supporting the, the local Australian economy. Internationally, um, again, not as far as you think. I, I, I'd say it certainly won't be this side of Christmas. Um, you know, that that amazing New Zealand bubble that dominates so many of the, uh, the media headlines. It might come uh, around mid-year, maybe maybe July. I don't think it'll be any earlier. Um, but, you know, we might get to the point where we have New Zealand and the, the South Pacific this year uh, with some safe countries. And then early 21, uh, I think we'll start to see quite a few countries jump on board. And, and I do believe in the the, um, the passport digital health uh, to prove that you've had the vaccination. Uh, and we'll get to the point where the borders will open. And I think that the sentiment towards travel is still very much there and the pent-up demand is definitely there. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I fully understand that that side of it. I wonder because, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe has business... And the s- slowdown of business, although the stress has increased, I imagine, has it given you time to reflect? Has your lifestyle changed? Have you made determinations about yourself and how you want the future to look? You know, because I did, and during lockdown, and our family dynamic changed, and and we probably spent more time together as a family. Um, and there was lots of talk about, I don't want things to go back to the way they were. We've had this break, we've had this, and yet I was having a conversation today where I think there's lots of aspects to to my life and my family's experience that, that have and probably quite rightly got back to normal. But I wonder, as somebody who I, I am getting to know now and I appreciate, really value your um authenticity and your thinking through and and your empathy but for you would you say there are things that you think looking forward will change in the way you go about things and what are they i think that the, the the two things i took away from that question is the one thing i hope that everyone continues with is to slow down a little bit um i really hope that we don't just snap our fingers and revert back to the 2019 way of life where it is, you know, extremely technology driven and it's just go, 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 rush, 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 high stress. Um, I don't think that's a particularly good place that we want to be. Um, whereas you recognize in, in 2020, when everyone was afforded that, uh, I guess it's not really an option, but a mandate to actually slow down and spend more time at your local parks and spend more time with your families. I hope that I hope that we continue with that in the future more. Um, for me personally, there was a, there was a, a day in our long lockdown that it really hit me where to have such a basic freedom, like not being able to go down to a cafe and sit and have a coffee, to have that that basic life freedom taken away from me was really the moment that I said, "I've got to live. I've got to live my life." Um, and to be honest, I, I, I do live my life already. Um, I do travel a lot and I don't just focus on saving all my money for retirement. Um, But I think that was 
another confirmation to say, you know what, life is really short. You never know what's around the corner. Um, you obviously don't know with health and everything else, but just, you know, a global pandemic can come through and can and government can tell you that you are not allowed to leave your house. So get out there, live your life. Um, I think we'll see that um, reflected in a lot of experience-based travel in the future. So people will go far more towards spending less on really expensive hotels or, um, you know, maybe less business class airfares and more um, unique experiences in different locations, which I'm all for. I think that's that would be an incredible outcome. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I like that. And, and I... Yeah, I, I hope you're right. I think I think the slow down notion of it and the pace, I agree with you. Let's let's savor in that and, and rest in that a little while longer. Um, Andy, tell me a little bit about as we seek to bring our time, you've been very generous with your time. Um, what's your involvement with Yarra now, whether it be your friends and how much contact you have with them and then also perhaps a little bit about the yogs and and your connection and and maybe also giving back to current students sure um well yeah two points there uh in terms of friends my my core friends from yarra are still my my um very core group of friends now so um I, i i love having a good network of people um but my my three best friends are all from yarra um, one of them's been my, my best mate since we were four. I think we went through primary school together, right through, and, and you know, literally played golf yesterday together. So um, uh, I, I really can't downplay that point enough. Um, you know, to have to have really good quality friends in your life uh, is so important. And, and uh, again, I recognised that only last week when I, I had one of those bad days I talked about before, where I'm. I'm up 99% of the time and then I'll have a bad day, but I've also got the the mental maturity to, to just to call my best mates and say, hey, I'm having a having an average day here. Uh, talk me through it. And they're all there straight away. They drop everything for you and, and I'll do the same. So um, that's really important and, and I'm very grateful for um, for my time at Yarra to meet, to meet those people and uh, that all comes down to the the caliber of the families, I think, involved in, in Yarra Valley. So that's really important. Um, the other half of the question, remind me. About, about your involvement uh, at YOG level or, or maybe even giving back to, to our current students and your expertise and experience. Sure, sure. So my, my current involvement is uh, a committee member on on the, the Yarra Ogmerians board, Uh so I get to spend some time back on the, the grounds and we've got a board meeting tonight, I believe. So I'll, I'll be back there tonight. Um, that's been, a, that's been a quite an interesting journey as well, seeing, you know, what, what Yog has done over the last 15 or so years and, and where the focus has been. And, and I guess my input has been to come in and, and really try and push the importance of, of educating the current students on what Yog is now. Um, and getting their buy-in from a young age and to, I guess, use myself as a good example of someone who definitely leveraged um, my network and, and the community of Yarra post my time at, at school, um, which has awarded me with you know, a lot of uh, good opportunities post-leaving. So um, I really want to focus on, on 
careers and mentoring through school. Um, you know, we talked earlier about not knowing what your career is and not necessarily having to know what your career is, but by providing, say, year 11 and year 12, year 12 students with a, a um, uh, encyclopedia of, of sorts of, of yogs who have, who have put their hand up, like me, for example, saying, if anyone is interested in travel and events, I'm happy to spend half an hour, an hour with you and see if it's for you. Mm-hmm. you know, come and work in the office for a day or a week, whatever it might be. Um, I think that's that's real experience. It's it's different to speaking to a you know a career counselor or or thinking because you're creative, you definitely need to go and work in graphics or or for a, a marketing studio. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing where where that involvement with Yog takes us over the next couple of years. Mm. I, I love that, and and the notion of as you say. It, it's just such a powerful resource to go and have access, as you say, to all those different industries and the perspectives and the experience and the, the professions and the, the jobs and the roles and the experiences of the network of YOG that that is potentially available to our senior students who choose to go and explore it, to open it up is just a magnificent resource. It's really, really powerful. That's exciting. I think it's I think it's an incredible opportunity. So we're talking about a whole lot of different options, like maybe uh, offering a scholarship of sorts to to a year twelve student. So there might be uh, a few year twelves where um, you know at, at graduation they're, they're awarded with a uh, an internship of sorts or a scholarship to actually spend a, a good amount of time with uh, with certain yog volunteers. Um, we're working we're working through a lot of different programs and I'm excited to see where it goes I love it I love it uh, our, our time is coming to a close let me um, offer a phrase or a term to you that that may or may not be familiar and that is lavavi oculus do you recall what that means and then today what does that mean lift up your eyes by memory yes school motto um, yeah for me I actually thought about this relatively recently, funnily enough. Um, and again, it, it went back to resilience. So I think that when you lift up your eyes, you inadvertently lift up your chin. So it's keep your chin up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so having having gone through a very difficult year, by you know, if, if you if you if you look down, your head's down, your attitude's down. Um, lift up your eyes, look at the world. Look at a path forward. Keep your head up. Uh, you know you'll get there. That's great. Chin up, and because of eyes up, that's perfect. Uh, I'm going to use that. Is that okay? <laughs> that's I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if that would be a, a good answer, to be honest. But uh, no, that's that's yeah, that's that's been been really important. I love that. That's a beauty. That's a beauty. Um, my final question, and it's a two-part question, and that is uh, what question or topic did you wish I had asked you and then can you answer that question? Oh, um, you didn't ask me about any quotes or anything or, or, or anything along, along those lines, but I do have one. Andy Berkner from the class of 2004. Do you have a quote that might motivate or inspire 
our young people today or a quote that you lived by? I recently uh, wrote an article, I think. I think it was an article or, or maybe um, a news appearance and uh, a very good friend, a fellow Yarra student from 2004, Jordan Cannon, commented on that post and said um, he heard a fantastic quote recently and it was actually attributed to Steve Waugh as a cricketer um, and it was, attitudes are contagious, is yours worth catching? Hmm. And I think that says a lot. So to that was obviously a reflection of me staying very positive and optimistic after going through uh, you know, a very, very difficult year. But I think, I think it does say a lot. Um, if you've got a positive, adi- po- positive attitude and a positive outlook to life, um, you can have an amazing ability to, to lift a lot of people around you as well. It's a happier, it's a happier way of living. Absolutely, absolutely. Because a lot of the time we do actually have a choice. We, we get to choose how we're going to approach the circumstance situation. We can't necessarily control what happens, but we can um, have a say in how we show up, how we respond, how we react in, in those moments. And, and a lot of that work is done beforehand. And it seems to me that Yarra was able to be part of building a foundation for you upon which to grow the confidence to get out there and explore and not know all the answers but be willing to keep pushing forward and by all reports it's still happening today and and as um as a business operator you're having to to dig deep and lifting up your eyes and therefore lifting up your chin every day and uh, and I love that this podcast is called the inspired by yara podcast and it seems to me that that you have and you've acknowledged some of the the ways that Yarra has impacted on you, but now increasingly so because of your willingness to put your hand up, you are an inspiration to Yarra. And so for that, we acknowledge and we are grateful for the, the work that you will continue to do. Thank you for your time today and thanks for the ongoing contribution that you are to the YOG community and in due course to our whole wider Yarra community. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate your time. Well, there you go. I told you, didn't I, that his wisdom, his thoughtfulness, his perspective is powerful and got deeper and deeper as we ventured further and further. There were a number of times when I thought this conversation was drawing to a close and then we just just recharged again and I think there's great depth in... And his perspective and his insight and by his own account not flying with what the world might consider to be success right now but reflective building a foundation ready to launch into the next challenge and adventure that will be part of his unique journey And that's what we do here on the Inspired by Yarra podcast. We see how we have, in fact, built the foundation, the building blocks, while we've been students at school, and see how they then build upon, build upon to create a pathway. And often it's only when we pause long enough to look back and see how we've been impacted and influenced by teachers, by our friends, by the experience of school life that we can recognise how useful and helpful and powerful that is as we march forward. 
yogs, if you're a yog and you know others who would enjoy this episode, but indeed the whole library, the growing library of the Inspired by Yarra podcast, then please share it, pass it on right there within your podcast player. You're able to share this episode. So we would encourage you to do that. My name's Paul Joy, and on behalf of everyone here at Yarra, and in particular the team of people who work to get these episodes together, pull the stories together, and then share them on this platform for you. I want to wish you another day of inspiration where, with a level of intentionality and with your own unique style, I want to encourage you to get on out there and make a positive impact in the world around you. Mm-hmm.